break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Well, good morning, everybody. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 111 for March 28th, 2022. And we are going to be talking about changes in the accessibility landscape, thanks to our friends over at the Department of Justice. Just kidding. They are not our friends. I don't know anybody over there. And quite frankly, I would be terrified to have them knocking on my door. Either way, I'm still your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other other host, Aaron, and I I got this weird sense of deja vu right don't, now. Don't don't so do that. Crazy. It'll hurt your brain. It's just because it's morning. Uh, this is what's uh, <laughs> uh, Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day, right? Uh, yeah, I was just thinking like, put your little hand in mine. Uh, I am I'm a coffee boy because uh, I'm still doing my theatrical performances, and so I have a screwy schedule, mm-hmm. and so we're. Adjusting lots of coffee. Get got to get the brain going because let me tell you, I'm a slow, tired boy right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, same same with the coffee. Uh, and it is morning. <laughs> Only the best for you, our audience. <laughs> and I do want to take a second to give a shout out to all of our backers over on Patreon. If you want to help the show out and show your support, run by drunkenux.com slash support. That'll take you over there and you can, and you can kind of tip us or throw us a dollar and, uh, that, that helps us get to our goals for making the show a better thing for all of our listeners, um, or site visitors. Um, and you mentioned morning and I want to take just a quick second, um, to acknowledge the news that we just heard last night that, Oh, um, let's play on words. Yeah, no, um, I'm trying to make jokes to make light of things that hurt, which is, uh, <laughs> this is not web related in any way, shape and form, but, um, you know, I think everybody by now will have heard the passing of Taylor uh, Hawkins. Um, Any color or shape. That hurts, I think. And I just wanted to say that yeah. out loud for folks. And I know, Aaron, like, you also, I think you're right there with me um, Yeah. on this stuff. And, man, it, yeah, it sucks. It hurts. He was he was a, he was a great drummer. Um, I, I saw him in 96 when he was Alanis Morissette's tour drummer. Um, Radiohead opened for them in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And, um, I, you know, I, I was playing drums at the time and I used to, he was, his stuff was one of the bands that I would like play along to huge fan. I was so excited when I heard he joined the Foo Fighters and he like never ceased to impress. And he was the right drummer for that band for sure. He's like the Ringo star to the Beatles. That was him with the Foo's. Yeah, because you know the, the Foo Fighters, part of the reason for for good or bad, you know, when, however they've crossed so many genres and and reached so many mm-hmm. people and, and appealed to so many people, you know that that unit, that band, um, has flourished, you know, as a very nuclear kind of unit. Yeah, and you yeah. know, it's they are what they are because of Taylor Hawkins. I mean, of Dave Grohl as well, obviously. Dave Grohl's mm-hmm. a prodigy of his own right, but the Foo Fighters is the result of all of them. You know, it's it was a chemical reaction right. that just, you know, was right. And what comes next? Because, you know, um, it's it hurts us, but it's going to hurt them more. And, you know, you, you have to assume that that's, you know, 
going to change things in a lot of different ways in the emotion, the architecture, you know, all of those things. So, um, yeah, I, I talk and I'll, I'll pivot this to web a little bit because I use that phrase that nuclear unit, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the importance of like having those people around you that you work with for a long time and, you know, the rhythms, not to throw another pun out there, but you know, those, those rhythms <laughs> you can get into with those people. And <laughs> you're on fire with the, puns I know. Today, well, it's man. because it's morning and I'm on <laughs> coffee and t- trying to do my, my best to keep the brain going. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's tough. And, you know, it just reminds us because obviously we, we haven't heard yet, you know, what, you know, why, and, and hopefully, you know, we can chalk this one up to just a crazy freak accident, um, yeah. or something. And if it's not, you know, there are resources out there to get help if you need help with anything, whether that's, you know, yeah. thoughts or substances or any of that stuff. So, you know, please reach out, you know, in those instances. And I, I, I I'm sorry, I take this to kind of a, a dark place to start out, but. <laughs> I don't know. It it hit me, and and I guess I just want people to know that, like, you know, if, if that news hurt you, that's okay. You know. Anyway, um, I just yeah. wanted to acknowledge. I think that that's important. Word. Um, I'm glad you brought it up, man. I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah, you know, like I said, I just found out last. A lot of people, I think, are thinking yeah. about that right now. So, yeah. Um, I do want to get to the real meat of today. So this is going to be kind of a brainstormy, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know chat about procedure and process um it is an issue of timeliness the reason being Mm -hmm. back on uh, march 18th uh the justice department put out a press release saying hey we've got some guidance for web accessibility and how to comply with it under the americans with disabilities act the what we call the ada the ada has informed what you might have also heard of as section 508 um, that'll be mm. another way you hear this referred to a lot as far as like the, the technical compliance piece of this. The The reason this has been an issue is that over the years, there have been legal questions about does the ADA apply oh. to private business? Yeah, um, we discussed this back in episode 47 when we talked about the Domino's yeah. pizza app thing. Um. So yeah, Domino's yeah. got sued because their ordering app was not accessible. Um, mm-hmm. Other organizations like Target have been sued as well um, because their website could not be used with a screen reader. Um, mm-hmm. These have generally resulted in lawsuits in favor of the disabled um, or otherwise abled, um, and they were made to comply and change their websites to fix those problems. Now... This is one of those areas, though, that has generally relied on the convention of court rulings because the actual legal standard is a little unclear. There's two parts that are really important to the ADA, and that's Title II and Title III. We'll get into what those mean here shortly. But um, in short, the question is, the federal government has the ability to regulate itself. Governmental entities have to comply with the ADA because the government has said we have to comply with the ADA. Right, But when it comes to private businesses, what is sort of the limitation or, uh, you know, extent of that power? And there are a lot of folks who will say that the ADA does not have the power to regulate private entities. I'm not going to – we're not going to debate whether those people are right or wrong. 
<laughs> whether or not they're right or wrong. It, it... I know, I know. And like I say, that's a, that's a whole rabbit hole that all we're going to talk, let's, we're going to talk about what this it's, means. That's it's the like, important part. It's like having, I mean, like having a no punching in the face rule and then someone being like, technically the no punching in the face rule doesn't apply. Yeah. Here. <laughs> like, yeah, but you know, the, if you punch somebody in the face, you're kind of being a dick. Let's, I mean, a little bit, little bit. It's like, yeah, arguing that you shouldn't have to do the right thing on a technicality and using that as an excuse to not do the right thing. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. Let's Mm -hmm. agree that, okay, the law doesn't let you do or doesn't let them do what, you know, they say. Mm -hmm. But that's the worst excuse to not do the right thing. It just is. Yeah. Um, you know, they're two different arguments at that point, but that's not what happens frequently. There is an, there is an mm-hmm. exception to this. Um, and I said, you know, we've relied heavily on like court cases. Yeah. Back, it was, I think a year ago, almost exactly, there was a court case Gill versus Win Dixie down in Florida. And Win Dixie got sued because their grocery stores had, uh, ignored accessibility and weren't making their websites okay. accessible for their users. In that case, the judge ruled in favor of Winn-Dixie and said, yeah, no, okay. they don't have to comply with web accessibility because it is possible to do business without the website. Oh, I see. So, and this is where the, the, the phrase. So like there, so it, it would be like saying, um, we don't have to make the front entrance accessible because the side entrance is equally is, is accessible already and is equally right. available. And right. Got it. so uh, the way this goes is it's, it's kind of, I, I don't like this phrase, but it does get used enough that I, I, I think it's probably the best way to say, it. you know, the separate but equal uh, mentality mm-hmm. that comes up a lot of times. Like, <laughs> is the side entrance actually equivalent to the front entrance? Um, <laughs> because that is how a lot of buildings have to, you know, accommodate that stuff, especially if it's an mm-hmm. old building, right? Like, we see these old buildings that have stairs going up to the front door. A lot of our courthouses, you know, I don't know uh, what it's mm-hmm. like up in New York there, but like around here, most of our courthouses were built in the late 1800s, early 1900s. They're these sort of big grand structures with a big staircase leading up to the gr- the main entrance. Ours don't have big staircases, but it's... Yeah, similar. so like they've had to make changes or either put in a side entrance or one of those little elevators that can pull you up or in a remodel, like add a ramp or something, you know, in those cases. Mm -hmm. But the phrase that gets thrown around is this notion of what we call public accommodation. Right. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Um, You know, there've been, you know, there are always these, the, the, the easy example is you go to the website and it's, you know, they have, let's say a little online order form and let's, let's, you know, really distill this uh, a little bit and say, you know, it's a little tiny mom and pop shop. It's a little main mm-hmm. street store that makes 30 grand a year. You know, like they're, these aren't like Walmart or target, you know, this is a little place. Mm-hmm. Right. And they put a little note on their site that says for ordering assistance, call us at this number. The question yeah. becomes, have you successfully made a public accommodation and is that adequate under the ADA? Because there's a lot of people who would say yes. That that person can get I, the I same experience pr- by calling that number. I think pragmatically. Like, pragmatically, if you look at it as if I was somebody who was 
um, sight impaired or, uh, you know, wasn't able to use a computer very well um, and the website didn't work for me. And if I called, can I still meet the needs that I have by, by calling? And so it really depends on like what, is, what features is the website offering and can those needs, can those user stories still be resolved through the accommodations, through calling in this case? And that I think it's highly situational. Right. Um, because, and that's kind of what happened in the Gill versus Winn-Dixie case, because initially, the the initial court case, uh, uh, Juan Carlos Gill uh, won. The initial uh, trial mm-hmm. bench concluded the ADA had been violated because the site was heavily integrated with in-store experience. This is, I'm quoting an article over on yeah. Usablenet that I'll sure. uh, throw in the show notes. Um, but then in appeal, that was reversed. The judge said um, that she claimed that the lack of site accessibility didn't create an intangible barrier because the individual could go into the store. So, mm-hmm. like, this is why this becomes problematic, you know, and why ultimately we're probably going to see this in SCOTUS at some point. Um, and sure. who knows what's going to happen at that level. Uh, so like, if you look at something like, like Amazon, you know, Amazon doesn't really have brick and mortar stores and people don't just use Amazon to order things. You know, you also, you use it to learn about products, movies. To, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm just thinking about the amazon.com primary yeah. e-commerce experience, but yeah, they have other offerings Build too. websites with uh, AWS, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like, but, um, I, I'll go to Amazon to look up products sometimes, right? Like I'll look up and, uh, try to see like, well, which one of these things do I really want? Not even intending to actually buy something yet. So if they were to say like, oh, well, our accommodations are, you can call this number and to help with ordering, that wouldn't be sufficient because I'm not just using it to right. order stuff. I'm also using it for like product. Services. So, and and I, I I would assume that probably like in this case, that same judge probably would mm-hmm. agree with you in that case because then you can make the argument that they are creating an intangible barrier because you cannot right. go to a store. You do not have an alternative means yeah. of interacting. Now, the the other way this goes is, okay, but then you have to take into account are there barriers to getting into the store for somebody who may be, you know, blind or have motor control right. issues or things like and, that? So, and so that would need to be considered. I think it does, like, yeah. if, if I'm, yeah, if I have a particular like um, set of, if I have a particular kind of friction to the experience of ordering online, would that? How does that friction play out if I try to go to the store instead, or if I try to call on the phone? Uh, and like, you know, if that, if I raised it with a company, like what would they do? Like, you know, if they've made a good faith effort to try to accommodate me in a reasonable way, like then, I don't know, that's, that seems okay. But I ever, if I recall the, the Domino's discussion, the, the issue was that I don't remember the, the final word on that, but I remember us talking at one point about how Domino's was suing or like, like resisting it because the suit filed against them. Like they wanted to know, like how much do we need to do so we don't get sued again? Yeah. Like where, where is, where is the point that we have to reach to avoid future lawsuits? And I kind of understand that, like just because I've seen patent trolls, you know, and I'm, I, are, are we at the point where we have accessibility trolls yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 
if you look at the the stats on lawsuits, um, you know, mm-hmm. since 2018, the number of accessibility lawsuits has roughly doubled. Um, mm-hmm. In 2020, there were over 3,500 lawsuits filed. Um, that was increase. You know, that that was a 25 percent increase over 2019. Um, that trend mm-hmm. slowed down briefly during COVID and then accelerated again. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're up over 4,000 lawsuits in 2021. We don't know what 2022 yeah. will hold yet. Uh, and the the problem is, like, and this is where we get into a little bit of, of trouble with all of this discussion, because if you incentivize people with monetary damages, you get accessibility trolls. Just like you get yeah. pat trolls, just like you get IP trolls. Um, the right. and the the money doesn't solve the problem. No, it absolutely you know? doesn't. Like it's gonna, and it's going to cost the company to add the accessibility features to actually solve the problem. And if they're paying you money, that doesn't solve the problem. And it really doesn't solve your problem either. Like they're not they're not giving you accessibility. Well, and the thing is, the <laughs> trolls don't care because the trolls aren't in it to change accessibility. The trolls are in it because right. they see money. Period. Like, that is period full stop. You can't, when you use the law as a cudgel, that is where this goes wrong. The the, uh, press release that the DOJ put out, they even call out some folks and they say, you know, Hy-Vee, Kroger, Miser, Rite Aid. They have worked with those organizations to reach settlements to get them to work on their accessibility compliance. Now, I don't know if those settlements Mm -hmm. included monetary fines. We probably won't know that because frequently those settlements don't, you know, release their terms, but it's probably Mm. safe to assume that they got their framework in place because a lot of the times people just need to be sat down and have stuff explained to them. And then they're willing to make the change. You know, what would be the right model for this? You know, like if you are driving around and your taillights busted and you get pulled over and the cop gives you a ticket because your taillights busted and then, it's a fix-it ticket. So if you go and you get your taillight fixed, you take it to the court, you show them the receipt and the you know statement yeah. of work, and then the court's like, okay, and then they write it right. off. Like that—that's what we need for accessibility. That's stuff that's because, a good idea, actually. Like, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that in the past. You know, like give, give the company have uh, industry experts or whatever come up with an an amount of time that it should take to accommodate you know, like provide accessibility accommodations, we'll say three months, maybe six months. I don't know. Um, And the company has that long to comply. And if they come into compliance in that period, great. And if they don't, then there's going to be a really heavy fine, like GDPR level. Um, And I, and I think that the taking the, like the section 508 accessibility guidelines and merging them into ADA makes it a little easier to have a standard for what compliance is. Cause then now we have like a compliant, a record of compliance, like requirements that can be known to everyone and can apply across the board. So there's no surprises for anyone. You can, av- you can preemptively avoid this fix it ticket. If you like work to these standards. And, and we've seen, you know, Florida has kind of been a, a hotbed for some of the accessibility trolls <laughs> and uh, a number of counties have been sued and are being faced with, you know, $15,000 fines if they don't make their sites accessible. And here's the other reason that sucks. 
Mm-hmm. It's because a lot of these, like if you go uh, look what's happening over in Flagler County, what they're doing. So uh, Deltona City, guess what they presented as a solution to their accessibility problems? An, an overlay? An overlay. I, I don't know if that's it the answer. Is. It is absolutely <laughs> the answer. <laughs> and so you're you're actually forcing people into worse decisions. <laughs> Yeah. So, and if you don't know why accessibility overlays suck, uh, do a search. There's a past episode. Aaron's probably looking it up to tell you right now. <laughs> You're exactly right. Episode 93. It's very quick on <laughs> on that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, go listen to episode 93. We talk about accessibility overlays and why they're problematic and why they actually make accessibility worse for, list- or for uh, website users. Um, so, yeah, when you force people into sudden... Uh, compliance issues because you've you've turned the law into a weapon to just rake money out of them, then the mm-hmm. solutions that come out are worse because it's not teaching anything. We're not taking the time to understand because accessibility trolls aren't in it to make the web better. They're in it to line their pocket. Yeah. And that's right. frustrating as hell. Because uh, it, it, it also, it changes the narrative, right? Like, we get away from having the conversations that we should be having. We don't get to have those conversations about why accessibility matters. Why do we want to make it better? How, you know, how does this benefit everybody? How is good accessibility, good user experience? I mean, this list is straightforward and easy. And like I say, most people are very amenable to them because a lot of people learn, you know, especially when you get to a city, a municipality, right? A lot of times the people who run websites in those instances don't have strong backgrounds because it's their first job or something. Because a lot of people move on from those roles into ones that pay more. So those mm. roles tend to have people in them that are either younger or, you know, they don't have formal background or training. And so they don't know. It's not like they don't want to. They just aren't aware of some of these things. Yeah. So that's not a knock on anybody, too, by the way. Like, I'm I'm not trying to begrudge anybody who may work in municipal web development. I'm just... I mean, it's a thing, right? We see it. In, we saw it in higher ed for years. You know, people move on. I, I've, I've literally worked in municipal web development before, um, and I, I will say that it's our staff was very yeah. Small. <laughs> and and you have a lot of requirements, right? Like a city provides a lot of services, and so as a result, yeah. you have a you you have a lot of surface area that you have to be concerned with to make accessible. I think that all of us as developers should make good faith efforts with accessibility in mind and do our best. However, I think that it's it's not reasonable to think you're going to get it 100% on the first try unless it's a very simple project. And so I would expect there to be a little bit of scream-driven development where the users will complain like, hey, I'm having trouble doing this. And then you have an opportunity to correct it. And you should. Like you should correct it. I I think that that is an okay dynamic to have, and like content providers shouldn't have to be like paranoid about getting slapped with a lawsuit just because what what with what really should be a bug ticket. Yeah, and and the lawsuit shouldn't happen until there has been a good faith effort to report it as a bug, and the company or content provider is not complying. Um. So I I think that there needs to be like a little bit of grace extended here 
um, like the kindness goes both yeah. ways, you know, some companies are assholes and they, they won't do it unless you force them to. But I don't think every company is like that. Yeah, and, and you mentioned earlier, you know, when these companies stand up and they're like, well, how much do we have to do, you know, to not mm-hmm. have this happen again? And that's a very business driven rationale, right? That like makes sense to the person asking it. I, yeah. Like, but I mean, I, I get it too, though. Like, no, like defensively. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, that you want to know. Because yeah. the person asking that question isn't the web developer, it's the VP right. of whatever. Um, of marketing yeah, or the like in-house counsel yeah like somebody yeah. is yeah counsel one of those folks is is the the non-web person is the one saying well then what's the where's the line in the sand and it takes education <laughs> to make sure that people realize it's not a line in the sand it's a process change <laughs> i think that the tldr here is don't use the court docket system as your bug tracker oh god <laughs> i like that though that's nice <laughs> um okay so this all comes back to this press release and what does it mean mm-hmm. so they there there are two parts to the ada that are fairly relevant here and that's title two and title three title two deals with uh state and local governments title three deals with what they say businesses open to the public and and businesses mm-hmm. that provide what we call these public accommodations um Mm-hmm. So they're like, we've done all this stuff. We've heard that people want better guidance on this um, as things are changing. And so the DOJ is taking a stance um, and, and law comes in many forms. One of those forms is departmental regulation. And so we will probably use the word law here as we talk about this, even though it's not mm-hmm. like a congressional law, but it is the stance of the DOJ, which means you, if you don't follow it, they have the power to address it let's say um but at the bottom of this press release they say the full guidance is available here a good link good full text link um but you click on that and you land on a site um beta.ada.gov slash web guidance web web dash guidance yes and if well again the show notes will have the full links to these things to make it easy um the the first thing i want to say about the site is um I'm. I was pretty sure, and I did confirm it by looking at the source that it's using the USWDS design yep. system, um, which we discussed back in episode thirty-five. And um, it's a very, it's a very clean like layout. Um, if you're ever in need of just something that looks clean and nice and basic, it's a great design system, and it's free to anyone to use. Anyone can use it. Yeah, and. And it has accessibility baked Damn into it. Damn it, you beat me already. to it. That was exactly what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> USWDS comes with a ton of accessibility stuff already baked in. That's markup related, mind you. You can still make an yeah. inaccessible website with accessible frameworks. Uh, and <laughs> case in point, I looked at the source as well. And one of the first things I noticed was that they have a Department of Justice logo in the header and footer, and there's no alt text on it. <laughs> so in the bottom right corner, it says, how can we improve this site? And it like gives you like a little feedback form. I, I just reported that. Oh, nice. To them. <laughs> so anyway, but what is this site and what, what can you do with it? Um, so the site is the guidance on web accessibility and the ADA. And so we're just going to kind of run down this and kind of talk about some of the stuff that's here and, and how we interpret it um, and, and whether or not it looks useful to people. Um I they they start off with I mean they start off with a statement about why it matters and I think that there won't be anything in there that we haven't talked about yeah. on this show ad nauseum already 
Um, but they follow that up with examples of website accessibility barriers. And I really like that they did this. The, the one thing I, like, I wish they had put in here, though, why website accessibility mm-hmm. matters is they do leave out the rationale that good accessibility is just good usability. And I, cause I think that's a very mm-hmm. good, compelling argument to make when we talk about this stuff that like sure. make working on accessibility isn't just about people with you know accessibility needs it's good for everyone yeah. it literally makes a right. better tool better product so i i would throw that in there if i were them just because i think that that is as important as everything else we're talking about but yeah go ahead yeah um, so the examples they give, um, and each one of these has like kind of a boldface title followed by a description. Um, I'll just like read the a titles. sentence or two as well. It's not like it's a yeah, whole yeah. document. It's quick bullet. Yeah, points. the entire the entire list of six items is like barely six paragraphs total. Um, poor color contrast, use of color alone to give information, lack of alt text on images, no captions on videos, inaccessible online forms. And mouse only navigation, lack of keyboard navigation. That's like the greatest hits. If I was going to make an album with Taylor Hawkins on the drums of accessibility barriers, like that would be the bare minimum, you know, maybe a couple other bonus tracks too, but that would be like, those are awesome. That covers an enormous amount of ground. And those are, those are things that I would expect any site should preemptively address those issues. Um, or make at least make an effort to do it. Like I said, I don't expect 100% perfection, but I expect there to at least be an attempt to do it right. And if you can do this and you're still having issues after that, okay, well then deal with them when they come up. But like, this is like, this is all the low hanging fruit right here. Yeah. And things like, you know, I like the fact that they included something like no captions on videos because, you mm-hmm. know, we, you know, organizations create so much video content now, not just YouTube, but we're talking Instagram, we're talking TikTok, we're talking yeah. Facebook. And it's like taking the time to put captions on those things. Yeah, it is a time sink. God, do we know that, you know, <laughs> transcripts, captions are, are time consuming, oh, but yeah. they really do provide that sort of bare minimum. And it's the another perfect example of that's good for everybody, you know, because guess what? I li- or I watch a lot of videos that I don't turn sound on. I have sound disabled on my phone pretty much constantly. Yeah. And and I have every any video player that autoplays should autoplay on mute. Um rarely will I enable it if it's really something I want to hear, but I you know captions are great for that and I will usually skip videos if they don't have captions and I'm just like I don't want to listen to it. And when we say things like mouse only navigation, um, mm-hmm. you know, that also applies to things like video. You have to mm-hmm. give people a way to stop motion on a website. Yeah. And so that mouse only navigation captures, I think, a lot of, um, a lot of other ancillary requirements that you start to think about, um, that, sure. you know, don't necessarily get called out specifically here on this list, but, once you start thinking about those things, because we we had that where um, the site we just redesigned at work has a video background in the hero. And so we worked with our designers to come up with a means by which we could provide a control that if somebody mouses over the video, they get a big pause button. But also if they are using a keyboard, 
they can tab to the video and pause it. There's no audio associated with it at all, but it is all about giving them the ability to stop the motion. Um, and then I'm going to, I, I get to do another episode callback. You can also <laughs> check for the prefers reduced motion flag and use that mm, to, that's a recent one, like pause video at the start. If users have set that. That's like two episodes. Yeah, ago, that was, right? that was yeah, real recently. Really recent. Uh, my brain remembers that far back, at least. <laughs> um, underneath the inaccessible online forms, they have uh, three subheadings or three sub items in a list. Labels that screen readers can convey to their users, such as text that reads credit card number, where the number should be entered, clear instructions, and error indicators, such as alerts telling the user that a form field is missing or incorrect. Those are just, I mean, accessibility aside, like you were saying earlier, that's just good usability. Yeah. Like, would you would you ever want to use a form that didn't have that, like, a bunch of anonymous text fields that, like, what, what do I put on each of these? Or if you try to submit a form and it doesn't work and you have no idea why. Or can um, I give you a good one that I bet you've ran into? A yeah. sign-up form that requires you to create a password and it just says that password is not sufficient, you know, or whatever. Like, <laughs> right. like it doesn't yeah. tell you what you have to put in. Like, oh, it has to be... 12 characters or better yet you've put in a password that's too long and it's like that's invalid but it doesn't tell you why it's invalid you know it's something i've been running into a lot lately is um sign in forms that have the login submit button disabled until you've entered text into both fields but they're using javascript to check it and the JavaScript is not getting when my password manager fills it in. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Have you seen that? It's annoying. Yeah, I've ran into that. Or, again, keep that ball rolling. People who build login forms that the password manager can't see. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's not often, but it does happen. Like, especially if you're using really weird field names or something. Instead of... Field names mm-hmm. like username and password that make it easy for the password manager to know that, that there's a login form there. Right. Um, again, these are just yeah. good because and password managers, those are a big accessibility tool. Um, you mm-hmm. know, those are real commonly used by folks because it makes it so quick and easy to insert text into pages. Um, they yeah. literally use like on the phone, uh, they use the accessibility overlay functionality to work with those pages. And so that's a good thing to test when you are, uh, you know, building a site that has a login, make sure it works with a a password manager. Uh, Okay. Let's uh, move down the the line here. So when, when the ADA requires web content to be accessible. So this is where we get into these title two, title three, title two. And I'll just read this verbatim says that, um, It prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities in all services programs and activities of state and local governments. And then Title III prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities by businesses open to the public, also referred to as public accommodations. And so these are the the rules that generally get into, like, when you're building a new building. And if the building has five floors, you have to have an elevator, right? There have to be accommodations made, or uh, the other word we like to use is affordances. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you have stairs, you have to have a ramp, you know, or a way to get in. What yeah. what the ADA site is saying 
Um, as far as Title II, they say, for these reasons, the department has consistently taken the position that ADA's requirements apply to all services, programs, or activities of state and local governments, including those offered on the web. And for Title III, they say the department has consistently taken the position that the ADA's requirements apply to all goods, services, privileges, or activities offered by public accommodation, including those offered on the web. I want to call out something so there that I think we called out. Hold on. Title Title II is state and local governments. Title III is businesses that are open to, open the, to public. the public. Now, yeah. I'm almost positive we said this when we talked about Domino's last time, but I want to give an example that's because they say, I, I like the words they used here, goods, services, privileges, or activities. Those two middle ones, mm-hmm. services, privileges. When you order food online, how often yeah. do you open up, whether that's DoorDash, your pizza app, the McDonald's app, and there's a special online-only coupon? Uh-huh. That's a special privilege that you are making available, but only if you are capable of using that app or that website. And right. so when you start making exclusive content, pizza, you know, you get free pizza if you order through the app and join their loyalty program and get 60 points worth of orders. And then it's like, you get a free pizza mm-hmm. now or a free sandwich. These are privileges baked into the usage of these tools. And so if those tools are inaccessible, then you have locked those people out. And according to the new uh, DOJ rationale on this, they are saying that has to be accessible. You are liable for that if you do not comply. So loyalty reward programs aren't anything new. You know, you and I both experienced them when we were younger. Pizza places had, you know, buy 10, get one free or whatever. Like that was, it's a pretty normal thing. But how did we address it back then though? You know, like you had a card, like a membership card with a membership number. And I think that the solution here is if you're going to offer um, specials or reward programs or loyalty discounts, that 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 be handled upstream from the app and the app is one way to to do that but it's tapping into a system that the store itself will also have access to and so when you call in you say hey i'm i'm a member this is my member id and you can have that written down on a piece of paper or whatever medium works best for you and then they can then call that up and you can interface with them on the phone and any specials or whatever that would have been available can now also be available to you when you're ordering on the phone. So the the site goes on then from there, um, how to make web content accessible to people with disabilities. And the, this is just a little paragraph, a couple of paragraphs of like, yeah, here's here's why this is important. But then they do break down a little expandable list mm-hmm. that – Kind of goes back to what we had already looked at. A, it uses a detail summary element, which is fantastic because detail summary elements come with baked in accessibility um, as far as, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to control and and use it with a screen reader and all of that. Like it's a known element that is designed to hide and expand information. But they they list stuff in a way that calls back to that initial sort of bulleted list that we said, you know, here's your your greatest hits of accessibility compliance. And they're like, mm-hmm. look at your color contrast, look at your text cues, um, get your alt text, get your video captions, work on your forms. Then they also add in some other stuff, though. Text size and zoom capability, headings, how to check for accessibility, 
um, and then how to give uh, an opportunity for reporting accessibility. Um, I think that last one's actually a lot more important than we give it credit for in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you noted the site in the lower right corner has a little yellow banner that says, how can we improve this site? That takes you to a real yeah. simple form. Giving people an easy way to report accessibility issues, I think is really mm. valuable. The other thing I like about that is it's not a modal, not a pop-up. It actually goes mm. to a new physical page, um, which again, ensures that that tool doesn't get, you know, hidden behind a modal that a screen reader can't read or something like that. Or that doesn't get added to your browser history yeah. or... Granted, I would like to see me. an icon or indicator on the link that implies that it's going to take you off site. I think that would be a you know a small improvement that could be made there. But yeah, again, I'm nitpicking at that point. Um, <laughs> but I I like that they included the remediation list and like things that you can do. That's that's really cool. And I didn't see this the first time I looked through it. And similarly, like I say, this is this is also very greatest hitsy in terms of like, yeah, mm. these are the things that will get you a long way. And including mm-hmm. headings, I think is a good one because that's one especially this goes back to this notion of the mom and pop shop, you know. Oh, I'm going to use an H3 because it makes the words the size that I want it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that's a tough one. That's a tough one to get through to uh, content editors that like no headings create an outline and you need to go from one to two to three, you know, there's a nesting and that's surprisingly hard to get people to understand, but it is very important um, yeah. in that, uh, in that context. It'd be nice if, if um, web browsers leveraged that aspect of pages more where it was a feature that um, everyone used to navigate pages. I mean, I know that technically we can all use these same features, but it's just easier to use the mouse. But like, how cool would it be if there was some kind of like browser inlay that used headings and showed like a table of contents virtually on a page and it was generated automatically, you know, like some kind of browser extension pops in a little thing on the left side and it just builds out a TOC for the page based on the headings. That would be really cool. Assuming it doesn't already exist. I think you have a new project. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have time for this shit. Make man. it. <laughs> Someone else can build it. And, <laughs> Just give me a shout out. <laughs> I'm not going to go over like every individual option yeah. that they include here. You can go read that yourself. It's quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, so they've got this list um, and it's it's pretty straightforward, I think. Um, mm-hmm. They The next to last section I actually really like too, which is web accessibility for people with disabilities is a priority for the Department of Justice, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. then what do they do? They give sample cases yeah, to explain, like, now they are PDFs, and so hopefully they have good accessible PDFs here, and PDF accessibility is a whole thing unto itself. Um, but they, they give you, and these are a little more dense, like, these are more like case study type things, um, but they give you the examples that say, like, here's times where we have reached agreements and settlements here's what that involved and how they addressed it and why um so it's a good resource for understanding the thinking that's going on behind some of this yeah how how to build a plan you know and why 
um, Rite Aid. The, the department reached an agreement with Rite Aid Corporation to address accessibility barriers in Rite Aid's COVID-19 vaccine registration portal. Here's I like I like this because the 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 ADA is building up their half of a bridge and they're saying this is like we don't want to have any gotchas or anything. We're not trying yeah. to be enemies here and we're not trying to, to like punish anyone. We just want to like meet these needs yeah. that are that the public has. And here is all the things you need to set yourself up for success. Yeah. I, I really like that. I like the approach you're taking with this. No, that's – I yeah, that's an excellent uh, sort of observation about that. That Yeah, this this isn't about being, you know, adversarial, right? Like mm-hmm. – It's really not. It's, <laughs> it, it is genuinely – accessibility is meant to be the opposite of adversarial in almost every way, shape, and form. It's just that, like, yeah. the, the Rite Aid thing is, I think, a really good example, too, because a lot of this COVID-19 stuff, these vaccine things, right – they got stood up very quickly. You know, they were trying mm-hmm. to re- respond in a very high stress situation yeah. where timeliness was very important. And so it's natural to understand that, guess what? Some corners got cut to get this thing up quickly. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you don't keep following on, you know, and this is where we can get into topics like agile and, and things like that, you know, iter- iterative design and things. It's like, okay, maybe it does go up quickly, but you should have a process by which you know you need to do the rest of this stuff and be actively mm-hmm. doing it so that next week you're going to release a set of changes that will fix X, Y, and Z. Not just yeah. toss it up and move on. Um, The the last section is uh, resources. All the resources, yeah. And the first one is the 18F Accessibility Guide. And um, we know someone at 18F, don't we? They they are a good group of people there that are working towards, you know, helping government in particular, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Ron Bronson has, was on the show with us previously, um, episode 41, and um, we knew him from back in the higher ed days. Uh, I, I Actually, he, he presented at uh, PSU Elements in 2015 at the same time that I did, like we were in adjacent rooms. <laughs> Um, so he's, he's a good guy and that's a a great episode to listen to about, um, hostile patterns. Uh, but the other, uh, the other resources on this page are digital.gov section 508 and, uh, WCAG, WCAG. It's all the, like the hit leaders. I don't know. I'm really running that metaphor. These are all the places that I like that I would refer people to if I was wanting to like provide kind of the, um, foundational information about accessibility yeah. like the the original source of guidance and then things interpret from this um these are great resources and the one thing i i do wish and this kind of exists but it doesn't come up usually first and even still it's not as watered down as i would like i, I would really love to see like a a WCAG, you you say, uh, you know, you're using the same metaphor over and over here. I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> I want WCAG for mom and pop shops, you know, right. like because when you open the the web content accessibility guideline, like the document, it's a very dense technical deal. Yeah, and there are like human readable versions of it, but they're still very large and very. Ex- so here's and another way to look at accessibility, right? Accessibility mm-hmm. can also be about the the cognitive ability to consume content. 
And that is a very large, dense set of standards. And those long, dense writings on the standards make them inaccessible in a way. Mm -hmm. And so we, we need like a really good, like one sheet. So kind of like what the, this new ADA website's doing, right? Like, you know what? Here are seven areas where if you go and, and work on these and here's why or six areas. Yeah. Then these things will help you out a bunch. And it takes you about 45 seconds to read those six things. It's like, that's right. such a good starting place and good way to get somebody to like start thinking about those things without it feeling like, Oh, I've got hundreds and hundreds of <laughs> bullet points to dig through <sighs> yeah. with success criteria and testing criteria. No, and half of it doesn't apply to me because it's talking about application development or hardware development. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much. That's a really <laughs> good point. Like, we, the the audience for a lot of that guidance is definitely a technical crowd. Right. Even even the even the easier stuff to read is still technical. And someone who is just trying to DIY their website and doesn't have a huge budget is probably going to have a harder time parsing through all of that. Um, it's. I I wonder, like for mom and pop shops, like what tools are they using for web publishing? And because it's going to be like the remediation techniques are going to be different depending on the platform that's being used. Like if you're using Wix or WordPress or like, I mean, Webflow does a good job with their accessibility stuff out of the box because that's how they built it. But, um, but many other products may not do it quite to that level. I don't know what Square, Squarespace is like with accessibility stuff. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm not sure. Um, hey, Squarespace, give us a yell. Yeah, Let's so, talk accessibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I would I would think that maybe like looking at the big uh, like the, the big prominent sources for web publishing and writing out like, okay, given these ADA guidelines around web accessibility, here's how you would execute like the the top ones, yeah. the, all the low hanging fruit. I could even see um, something like that getting baked into a website like the ADA Gov site. Say, mm-hmm. you know what? Here are the 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 top players, um, the greatest hits, if you will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> here's, are you a Wix user? Here, here's cover bands. <laughs> here are six ways that you can improve your accessibility if you're a Wix user. Are you a Squarespace user? Here are six ways you can, you know, like like get pick out how, those. How great. How how great would that be if if they if the ADA just said, look, if you are a web publishing platform, then you can submit this content in this form, and but this form I mean structure. Give like a template that's like, yeah, yeah what's yeah. the name of your tool? Where can people sign up for it? How mm-hmm. how do they do image alt tags? How do they do headers? Right. What resources then, do you provide to check your stuff? You know. Right. And then, and then the ADA site could then host that. And, you know, there's implicitly like, you know, like, oh, cool. You got featured there. Just like with irs.gov, you know, they have the free e-filing service and it links back to different providers that do free e-filing for you. It could be the same kind of thing here. And then that way, every web publishing platform is responsible for coming up with content themselves. And in exchange, like, you know, there's kind of I don't want to call it free advertising, but you know, you get mentioned on the ADA site and they can just list it in alphabetical yeah. order. 
and um, with an index. It doesn't need to be like any kind of promotional. Yeah, I mean, can have a little disclaimer that you know, listing here yeah. does not you know imply an endorsement of the surface a service sure. or whatever. There is there's a precedent for this too. If you've ever been in software development um, or web app development or anything, what's called the VPAT, the Voluntary Product Accessibility Template. It's uh, something that's provided by Section 508 um, on oh, cool. on their site. Um, and it's another tool that, like, it's not great. Actually, it has its problems in a lot of ways um, because it's designed to cover a lot of things. But it it is that template. It is a template you can go in and fill out to describe the accessibility of your product. It's a requirement, and, and like the reason I'm familiar with it is we had to do it um, with our uh, my previous company where we dealt with a lot of organizations that were required to have 508 compliance. 508 is, mm-hmm. of course, the the technical implementation of, of uh, web accessibility for government. Um, right. And so filing a VPAT was a, you know, a required step in getting that business. But mm-hmm. it would be very easy to make a much simpler version of that. Like the, the thing about VPAT is it's a absolute pain in the ass to fill out. Like it is yeah. rough uh, because it is big and it has a lot of stuff that won't apply to you. But um, having something like that, yeah, no, I, I, I I kind of love that idea, really. Um, or if somebody else just wanted to set up a site, you know, a quick site that is here's how how you do this, how you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna submit that as a suggestion to the ADA site. Do it. Um, Try let's yeah. let's make this place better. Um, so at any rate, um, these are our notes, and I'm glad to see the DOJ taking a stand on it. I'm glad to see that uh, you know they're trying to put some stuff out here that's gonna really help people. Um, they have a section on checking for accessibility. Um, I wish they had some actual tools listed there, but, um, there's a wave plugin. There's a web aim plugin. Um, DayQ has a plugin for your browser that will do a lot of automated checking. They're all very good. Um, Andy, um, there's the, mm-hmm. the, uh, ally CSS framework. There's a axe. Axe. A-X-E. Um, yeah. So, all of these things are out there and will help you. They're all free for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them have like a paid, you know, improved version. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Get started and jump into these yeah. things at a low level and get the get the simple stuff taken care of first because that's going to cover a lot. You know, yeah, um, the real really complex well. stuff usually ends up being real specialized cases, and you should deal with those. Mm-hmm. Get comfortable dealing with the simple stuff first and get familiar with it. And that will and lead you can to address the, the complicated. You can address the complicated ones by, uh, you know, providing a feedback form for that. And um, I haven't got checking, you know, check your feedback and all that. I haven't got to say this much recently, um, but it, this is the perfect opportunity to um, throw my favorite mantra out there. Do less better. One of the, I thought you were going to say keep your personas close. One of the best ways, <laughs> one of the best ways to make an accessible website is to make a simple website. And the simpler, the better, um, because again, it's going to be better for everybody, and so it, and it ensures that you're going to build something everybody can use. So, do less, better. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, take a quick break, breathe, and we'll be back after this break. Let us know what you do for accessibility and how you approach uh, remediation. Let us know what thoughts you have about uh, Section 508 and about uh, ADA compliance and and the direction the DOJ is now giving folks. Uh, Is it good, bad? Do you want to see more? Do you have ideas like adding, you know, accessibility helpers for different platforms? Um, 
I'd love I to hear. Know, if you work in the private, if you work in the private sector, I want to know what is your company doing. What's your plan? Yeah. To yeah, and like how if you have, if it's a concern for you, how do you raise it um, and get it prioritized the way that you might like a bug or something similar. Yeah. Like we we should see accessibility problems as bugs. Um, and uh, yeah, you can let us know about that on Twitter or Facebook.com slash DrunkenUX or on Instagrams.com slash DrunkenUX podcast or come and talk with us at DrunkenUX.com slash Discord to come and talk with us on the Discord server. Um, and uh, it's part of accessibility is transcripts. We're trying to get transcripts done for all of our episodes. We're getting there. We're two we're a two person team, so it's still time. automated. We're trying. We now we now <laughs> use the improved automated. Uh huh. It's a little better. A couple other things, real fast. If you've listened to this long, and I'm I apologize, I didn't get it in earlier, but I wanted to, to throw a couple other things out. Um, there is the uh, elephant.com a one one y p h a n t dot com. <laughs> Um, it is a real nice, simple site that you can go that has a few accessibility challenges that you can walk through. Um, they are very straightforward. They're a great way to learn uh, very quickly about a few uh, base-level accessibility techniques. Also, um, big shout-out to Charlie Triplett. Um, he has the bookonaccessibility.com um, with a huge amount of information and resources on uh, uh, what you can do for accessibility from strategic strategic goals to tactics, um, you know, different policies, rules that he's set up. There is also a book you can go buy um, that he has put together. But the whole thing is also free on the site. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's very accessible in that way. And then, shout out to Angelo in our Discord um, because he brought up, and I, we've mentioned this before, but it's been a long damn time, so I don't remember where it was. Um, but he threw out uh, that they use uh, eight what are called ADRs. Um, these are architectural oh, decision yeah. records. And these are really great for tracking changes and decision making. This mm-hmm. gives you a framework by which to make decisions and document those decisions. Um and so my, my team started doing those recently too. There, um, we have like seven years of decisions to backlog, but it's, it's really invaluable. I think. Yeah. So there's a whole there's a whole deal, and again, I'll put all these links in the show notes. ADR.GitHub.io. Um, and so these are all just ways to kind of better address accessibility and get you know a, a framework around them, and then also create memory around it because one of the things. Mm-hmm go all the way to the start of the show and talking about bands and people working together and, and all of that. Like when people change, when folks move in and out, you lose institutional knowledge and memory. And so the reason and rationale behind certain things sometimes can get lost. And having a way to document that is, I think, very important so that you don't make the same mistakes over and over. And so that um, by the time you're done, you can look at what you've made you know you've done it right, you know that you've followed what people have done before, and you've done it the right way for the right reasons, which has ultimately kept your personas close and your users closer. (laughs) Bye-bye. Hey, I've submitted the feedback to ADA. Excellent. (laughs) See See ya.